Unexplainable, unpredictable podcast extravaganza. This is part two of episode four, and I am your host, Mr. Anderson. Then the most unpredictable thing happened. A thing that shattered and put us together at the same time. A mighty oak standing in our backyard. Our home was situated kind of in uh, like a valley almost of other houses. We are on the very low point. It had been raining a ton that week. Um, the week prior, there was actually tornadoes that went through the area that we lived in. And luckily, we had no issues from that. But it had been raining for almost like two weeks straight. Um, we are surrounded by trees we have multiple trees in our backyard they're all oak trees some were healthy some were not and we had one massive oak tree that we're like ah this thing is never going anywhere it's the one we never thought would anything would happen but it did the mighty oak fell on our home it went through the roof, all on over one side of the house, came all the way through the roof and made uh, the ceiling cave in in partial parts of the home. We were all inside at the time. Uh, we were shocked. We were like, what is going on? What was that noise? We had no idea what was going on. We thought it was some major earthquake that had happened. And honestly, I think we would have preferred that method as opposed to having a tree destroy our home. Uh, we all ran outside. Neighbors from all around, uh, even a couple of streets over, came over to check because they heard the tree fall. Now, this was not a little tree. This was a massive tree. The branches covered our whole house, and you can even see our home from the front of the yard. Um, and so I'm not really panicking at this point. You're just kind of in almost like a shock of like, did this really happen? Then the reality starts to sit in because then it starts raining and we have two kids in this house and there's a tree and a hole where their bedrooms are. So they have nowhere to sleep at the moment and it's starting to rain. It's starting to get dark. Um, we kind of, or we order pizza, we get our neighbors to kind of watch our kids and we have to immediately evacuate our home. That same week, I got a text from my manager at work that we were actually no longer going to be furloughed starting the next week. I'm like, oh joy, why could not the tree have fallen the two months I've been sitting at home? 
why does it have to fall the day I get a text from my boss that we have to go back to work? And so we we leave. We move in with my mother-in-law for several months while the house is being repaired and fixed. Uh, in that time frame, I also lose a vehicle my vehicle breaks down about a month after that and we also decided to build a house because we were going to fix this our old house up we had been in there for years and years and we were really outgrowing it and we decided to sell i was like i'm not gonna move back in if i'm gonna somebody's gonna pay me to move out of my house through insurance i'm not gonna move back in as we lived with my mother-in-law, my addiction started to really uh, take over. It, I was under an extreme amount of stress at that point. I had to actually kind of project manage the house because I couldn't find honest builders that were going to come in there and do the work that needed to be done for the prices that we were given. So I had to manage the whole rebuild of our house while working swing shifts while looking for another vehicle while being a dad while being a husband while being you know checking in on my parents checking in with my friends and i was just burnt slap out i was so stressed but i didn't feel like i had an option to stop I felt like I was pretty much trapped in that, that this is who I am now, that this is kind of, I started, and the best way I would really say is like, I don't know if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, but Gollum from Lord of the Rings, you become overtaken and then you start building these walls and then your personality starts to change and you become so disfigured that you don't even recognize yourself anymore and you don't realize what you're doing and now that i look back i'm thinking to myself what the hell was i thinking while i do all this and why didn't i reach out for some help and i just felt and i think some of that too is the addiction to say hey now i got you like, you don't have to trust other people. You don't have to reach out for help. I'm in control of this situation. I'm protecting you. I am the one that is going to get this done. You don't need to worry. Uh, I also started to drink a lot, especially after work, to numb out. I don't have a problem with people drinking, but when it's done with the wrong motives and the wrong emotions. It can be extremely destructive. I was also on anti-anxiety medicines. I was living on a few hours of sleep a day. I was working 12-hour shifts, rotating um, from day shift to night shift. Basically, when I got home from night shift, I would sleep from like nine o'clock to like one or two on my days off and then just be dealing 
with the house, rebuilding the house, driving 20, 25 minutes to go to the house as it's being rebuilt, checking, managing, making sure everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing. And we were shopping for houses at sometimes checking out on the new house build. I had basically given myself over to what my therapist calls the gorilla and that gorilla had taken over my car and was driving my car and had basically duct taped me up and shoved me in the trunk of my own car. And it's a personality inside of us all that kind of really takes over and the gorilla is like, I got this. Like, you don't need to do this anymore. I'm taking over. And it's a protection mechanism. It's a way to defend yourself from feeling when traumatic things happens. And a lot of times it comes from your childhood. And when traumatic things happen, then those emotions and those personalities in you get frozen. And so when, if you never deal with those things and learn how to embrace them and kind of use them in a proper way, then they become destructive. And she also told me that the grill is not bad. It's just not supposed to drive your car. Um, I was increasingly angry and depressed. I kept thinking I can take back over when, when we get settled, when the house is done, I won't, I won't even want to do this anymore. It's just now I'm just trying to manage stress So I'll just, you know, I'm not doing it all the time. I'm just managing my stress. And I know once this house gets built and we get settled in our new home, it's just going to go away because the the stress is not going to be there anymore. So I'm not going to need this. And it was a lie, basically, that the gorilla was telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get there, you'll be fine. But... Nobody, I couldn't figure out how to get the gorilla out of the way. I couldn't figure out how to get my depression under control, my anxiety under control. And that's why I really just drank is to numb, to just numb completely out. And um, then I started to get in arguments with my wife. I started fighting with her. I started getting very angry and hostile um, over just, Every, every little thing. And we had never argued this much in our whole entire marriage. Around Father's Day of 2020, in an argument, I told her that I had relapsed into porn. This was absolutely devastating to her, but she knew something was going on. It's not like I hit it well, I think. I was so, I deceived myself so much or I was telling myself so much that, you know, you're hiding this really well. She has no idea. Nobody else has any idea. You're doing fine. You know, even if she does find out, like she's going to be okay with it because you're just dealing with stress. And that was absolutely just a lie that I told myself. Um, it basically had gotten so bad that I couldn't remember what I had done or when I had done it or what I had cleaned up, what I had erased. Um, and she, 
you know, she wanted to go to therapy and I told her, I said, no, I'm not going to therapy. I, there's no way in all of this BS that is going on in our life right now that I could go to therapy with all the stress of work, house, new vehicle, living with your mom. So I kept pushing things off thinking once we get into this new home, once we get things, all this is done, then those it it won't be a problem. We don't need to go. I don't need help. I got this. But then I started to realize even when we moved into the house that I was still relying on this addiction to help me cope with everyday minor stresses and that I was not getting better, that I was getting worse, that I was getting even more depressed, that I was getting even more angry, and that I was not happy with myself. I literally thought, you know, I, I hate myself. You're a horrible person. And it just you just start building more and more walls to keep people away. Because in my mind, I'm like thinking, if they really knew how much I struggled and who I really was, she's not going to love me. He's not going to love me. My friends aren't going to be want to be around me. And these are all shame cycles where we basically get into a cycle of shaming ourselves to a point where we rely on that addiction more and more and more. Um, I continue to relapse. I would get good for like maybe two or three weeks, but then really when third shift came around, it was so hard to keep clean and the urges never got better. I eventually did go to my wife and say, that I did want to start seeing the same counselor that she was seeing. And um, this did start help my recovery. I also started with a buddy from work uh, doing a, a course called Soul Refiner, which was really good. Um, it had a lot of information, but I still found myself really not where I wanted to be. I felt like the urges were extremely overwhelming and that I was still uh, really at war with myself, and I hated that. I was clean for about six or seven months in this time period. Then while on a camping trip with my son, I returned and relapsed big time. I told my wife as soon as it happened, um, I was devastated. Um... I was really upset with myself, um, and I, I felt like I was still not getting better in my spirit, mind, or body. This is when I started to really get honest with myself and kind of look really, really deep at what I was doing, and I felt that I was wearing a mask even for my therapist that I wasn't getting clean or not doing this for myself or my wife, but I was doing it for the therapist. And that's where you go back to the spiritualizer, where I, I put on this mask and I'm like, yeah, I'm a great Christian guy. But I kind of looked back and I was like, I really felt like I was still faking it. Like, I wasn't being truly honest with 
my feelings and who I was and even my actions and motives. And I would say this was a very big insight for me that I was still pretending that I was holy and living up to someone saying you are doing great, but I was still very much so at war with myself. I was very angry inside. I was still very depressed and sad, but I was just acting in a way that said I was clean. I was acting in a way that said, oh yeah, I'm happy because I did these things. And I still was miserable. Even when I went on this camping trip, I wanted to be connected with my son and have fun and enjoy our time together. But I felt so disconnected. Um, I think I was really in a pretty dark place of depression. Um, I really came to the realization that my job was killing me. And I was so tired and sore and depressed all the time, no matter what I did. Physically, mentally, I was just exhausted. But I'm a Christian, and I'm not supposed to feel these things. This next part is really why I believe there is a God, and that He is involved in some way in our lives. The same friend that I did the Soul Refiner series with, had found a new job, and honestly, I was super excited for him. He deserved it. He was still single, and with our job schedule, he could never meet someone. And if someone should be with anyone, it was this guy. But it was hard at the same time because I didn't want to lose my close friend that was almost like it's accountable, even though we weren't saying anything, but we could just go to each other and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. And it's hard to do when you're asleep and he's awake and you're awake and he's asleep. He'd be on a completely different job. He reached out about a week after he started and was like, dude, like, I'm so glad I made the jump. I think they're still hiring. So I made the decision to make a jump. I felt like the job was putting me in a situation that I was ever never able truly to heal and get where I needed to be and where I wanted to be for myself. I was tired of feeling torn apart. So I applied for the job. The day of my interview, my wife and two kids had woken up all at the same time about six o'clock. And we decided to all watch the sunrise. And there was a rainbow and a beautiful sunrise. But then we looked behind us and there was another rainbow. There is a super rare double rainbow when we go outside. And for Christians, the rainbow is a sign of God's promise, His goodness. It's a type of symbol or a reminder. Um, And I thought to myself, could this be a sign of good things to come? And the answer was, for us, a yes. Um... I did get the job that same day. Um, I went ahead and put in my notice and I worked just a couple of days notice because it was time to get out. And I was thankful. No more swing shifts. No more aching and painful working myself to death. Work swing shifts. 
I don't care if you're an extreme atheist, you would say the same thing. Praise God that I don't have to work swing shifts anymore. It's it's horrible for your body, for your mind, for your emotions. Anyway, that's another episode. Fast forward three months. Um, I am slowly healing relationships with my wife and kids. And then I started to look back to see how I was how I was clean for so long before I relapsed because it was years. And I was not maybe a hundred percent whole, but I'd never acted out and I had a really good control over it. And what I came back to is what we called contemplative meditation. Um, I think most people now call it mindfulness and it has really got me back into a place where I can start to grow again. The difference now from when I had first started it like 10 or 11 years ago, it was just a mainly a Christian focused, you focus just on the Lord and you almost like uh, picture him and kind of go to a place. You separate yourself from the world and the chaos that you're being enveloped in and get grounded with him. And the good thing now is, though, it is exploding, and there is so much research about how it rebuilds your your brain, it rewires your brain, and there are people that are now really taking you through deeper steps to help you manage uh, your stress and your issues through this ways. And I got at this time I was completely tired of the gorilla driving the car I was so tired of it I was frustrated I was like all right I've got to try more things I've got to do more stuff I relapsed two or three more times than the last time I was like you know what like that's enough and I started to really search more into mindfulness and meditation And then I learned more about brain rewiring. I am still in recovery, but I've been clean for four weeks now. And not just clean, but I'm talking about my urges to manage stress with pornography are pretty much not there right now. They'll come every once in a while, but I can take a breath and then that thought and emotion kind of just goes away i like to picture it kind of just putting it in a river and putting it in there but i'm creating space in my mind and i'm creating this opportunity to see my thoughts and understand my thoughts and understand that they're a part of me but they don't control me um the app that i found is called brain buddy and i highly recommend it It takes you through day by day. It gives you excellent tools. Now, it is not a Christian app. So, in some ways, I feel like that's that's kind of good. You're kind of getting out of being a spiritualizer, if that is one of your issues, and getting to a place where you're getting some freedom into your mind so you can really find your, your true self and your center. 
And there is a center. I don't care what you say because I know what out of balance feels like. And it's not just saying, well, those are evil emotions or the devil is in control. There is a center to you. There is a self to you. There is what I, I would call a spiritual man. But it's that, that part of you that, oh, this is who I am. When you picture yourself in your mind, this is the person that you see and that you want to be. This is the person that is kind, gentle says things in the right way, cares about others, and I believe that's in all of us, Christian or non-Christian. And I I really think as a believer in God, I believe that he put that in all of us. I've been able to manage my urges. I've been able to manage my temptations. I'm not scared of my emotions. I can look at them and I can understand that I'm in control. I feel the best I have felt in so many years. I feel like me again. In conclusion, I feel it's important to talk about these things and get the stigma out because porn is destructive and so many people are addicted and don't even know it. I know this podcast will really only reach a few people, but if that's all I can reach, that that is absolutely Great, And I just want to say to the few of you that do listen to this, that there is hope. There is a way out. There is strength that is stronger, and it's inside of you. It's time to connect to your spirit and your soul, or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. If you are a Christian or not, there is something in all of us that is stronger that connects us all. And to me, that's what's unpredictable. Unpredictable.